All right, what's up, Trace? How's everybody feeling this morning? Pulling out chairs in the back is always a good sign. I'm so glad there's not one person on the front row. You're going to give a guy a complex. My breast stink? Like, what's going on, guys? What's going on? Hey, uh, we're excited to have you here. Can I, can I do something really quick? Um, anybody been following what's happening at Asbury Seminary? Anybody seen this online? Yeah, several of you. If not, man, there's uh, a service that started on a college campus that's been going for several days now. It's in my neck of the woods. For those of you that don't know, uh, Emily and I uh, both grew up in Kentucky and this seminary where all of this is taking place, this revival, Asbury Seminary. I used to drive by that to my favorite fishing spot. Uh, and so I'm very, very familiar and it's just cool. It's awesome to see. Thank you, Tyler, for sitting on the front row. Can you give it up for our worship leader, Tyler? <clears throat> You're ready to hear some good preaching this morning, aren't you? Yeah, it's, yeah. Look at, thank you guys. Look, praise God. Hallelujah. Uh, anyway, it's incredible. And I hope, you know, when you see things like that, um, I hope you pray for just a continued breakout on college campuses all across our nation. Um, we need revival. We need, our, especially our young, younger generations to open their eyes, to repent, to come back to the Father. And um, as we talked about last week, just not, a, not having any parts of their life that are off access uh, to the Holy Spirit and what he wants to do in and through their life. And so I'm, I'm just thankful to see what's happening there. I do have a couple things I wanna bring to your attention really quick. Uh, tonight is our marriage event. Anybody excited about the marriage event? Uh, we are. And so I think we have right around 200 people that have already signed up and registered for that. So this place will be full. We're excited to have all of you that are already planning on coming, but if you're still considering it, a couple questions that I've gotten here recently, and that is, hey, if I'm single or if I'm dating or if I'm engaged, uh, can we come as well? And the answer to that is absolutely yes. Uh, we want you to be a part of this. Uh, I think it's incredible that you wanna invest in your future marriage. And so please, please, please come. But we do need you to res register so we know about how many people to expect. I uh, also wanna let you know that next Sunday uh, from 6.30 to 7.30 in the evening, uh, we are gonna have a plus one vision night where we hope to answer any questions that any of you may have about, about our plus one vision, about the future of our church and you know locations we might be looking at, all those kind of things. Several questions have come up that we thought um, wouldn't come up, honestly, where it's like, hey, we thought you probably knew the answer about, about that or on that. And so we wanna make sure that we're as, as candid and as clear as we possibly can be when it comes to this plus one vision. So hopefully you can make that. I would encourage you to make that. I'm gonna be talking about how we're gonna use our future facilities, not just to be a church on Sunday morning, but also how they're gonna be a blessing to people in our society, um, in our city, I should say. Um, and different ways that we're looking at partnering with different organizations to also offset the financial burden that will be, uh, that happens every time you buy, you know, a, a big multi-million dollar building. And so we're trying to be incredibly strategic, incredibly wise. We want to invite you into those conversations. Sound good? All right. Sounds good. Hey, we are in week three of our six-week vision series and this really is a vision series on faith. I've been reiterating that every single week, that we're taking steps of faith together as a church. And if you're just joining us, a couple weeks ago, we kicked this off by talking about the priority of Jesus. And more specifically, how the priority of Jesus needs to be the priority of his people. And so what was the priority of Jesus? Well, the main thing was that he came to seek and save those who were lost. He came to seek and save those who were far from God. He came so that everyone would have an opportunity to receive his saving grace by hearing the gospel. And so we wanna make sure that his main thing is our main thing, that his priority is our priority as a church. 
And then last week, I talked to us about the importance of allowing the Holy Spirit to guide our lives and how we should not keep any area off or out of access for the Holy Spirit's guidance in our life. And we were honest, right? We were honest with ourselves that all of us have a tendency to say, God, we'll take all of these things, we'll take all the blessing, we'll take all the answer to prayers, we'll take all the promise of salvation and eternal life, we'll take all of that. But when it comes to this area or these areas, I'm just gonna kind of keep those off limits. And so last week we determined as a church that we're not gonna sing the song, some to Jesus, we surrender. We're gonna sing all to Jesus, all to Jesus. All to Jesus, I surrender. Now, over the last couple of weeks, I've been talking about how even though we're going to have a commitment Sunday on March 12th, where we're all bringing our two-year financial commitments so that we can plan and prepare for the future of our church and where God is taking us, um, I said that even though we're gonna have, you know, a big financial commitment coming up, that I wasn't going to talk about money every single week. But guess what? Today, we are. And before you think, oh, no, 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 no. How did I pick this Sunday? This is the first time I've ever come to this church. How did I pick money Sunday? Or before you think to yourself, oh, I just got my friend to come. They finally came and it's on money Sunday. Before you get up and leave, can I ask that you would sit through this entire service and that you would listen for what God wants to say to you? Because I think you know this, if you've been around the church at all, that this is an important subject. Like this subject should be taught at every single church, but it's not lost on me that some of us, and I'm gonna put myself in that, that conversation, that some of us have experienced not only a church abusing this subject, but even manipulating people with the subject of money. Like I get it. I, I've been to services where I'm like, wow, I can't believe he just said that. And so it's not lost on me that those are some of our experiences, which means when you came in here today, especially if you're new, that you came in here with that connotation. Like you came in here with that preconceived notion where it's like, oh, if the church is gonna talk about money, I already know the direction that's going to go. And maybe by the time that we're done today, your perspective will change. And I would tell you that if you ever go to any church Please listen to me on this. Because again, we're, what's, what's our series on? It's on faith, right? If you ever go to any church and hope that they don't bring up the subject of money, you are missing a huge part, a huge part of what it means to trust God with your entire lives. So this subject uh, was so important and is so important to God. It's so important to Jesus that he talked about it more than any other subject except one. Anybody know what that is? The kingdom of heaven, which we're gonna talk about today too. And so it makes sense, right? If God knew that this would potentially be an obstacle for us, if the subject of money would be an obstacle for us, specifically when it comes to trusting him with our entire lives, no areas of our lives off limits, if he knew that this was gonna be a, a struggle, a potential obstacle, then it makes complete sense that he'd probably give us a heads up on that, wouldn't he? that he probably let us know, hey, this is gonna be a challenge for some of you. This, this is gonna be a problem potentially even for some of you, which is why Jesus talked about it more than any other subject except the kingdom of heaven. Out of all the parables that Jesus taught, and he taught 38, 16 of those parables were on the subject of money. Now, I could talk about the subject of money from several different vantage points, but since this is a series on faith, 
then that's the angle that I want to take. And I wanna begin by building a framework of faith. And so let me start here. Faith almost always requires us to move. Specifically, it's kind of an internal spiritual posture within each of us that when we have faith, when we say we have faith, there's, there's this movement that happens in our spirit, in our mind, in our soul, moving in the direction of God. And in order to move in the direction of God, oftentimes what we have to do is let go of things or ideas or thoughts or patterns that maybe we've been holding on to, but in order to have faith and move in the direction of God, we have to let some of those things go. Because some of those things, those thoughts and ideas and preconceived notions that we may have are actually keeping us from moving in the direction of God through faith. Let me show you what the author of Hebrews says. He says, it is impossible to please God without faith. It's a strong statement, isn't it? It's impossible. It's impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. So a great follow-up question to that, if faith is the only way that we can please God, a great follow-up question would be this, then what is the number one ingredient for faith? To which I would answer, it's trust. It's trust. And what is the number one way we show God that we trust him? We obey. We follow through with what it is he's asked us to do. And then a great follow-up question to that is when, where then is the hardest area or what are some of the hardest areas for us to trust and obey God? To which I would tell you, statistically speaking, it's actually sex and money. Do you know that the two major areas of tension and arguments and problems in the marriage relationship are around the subjects of sex and money. And I want you to think about this because this is incredibly interesting. The two topics that we potentially struggle with the most, at least in the marriage context, the two topics that we potentially struggle with the most, ready? Are the two areas that we want to hear from God about the least. Can I say it again? The two areas that we have the potential to struggle in the most are the two areas that we want to hear from God about the least. We maybe don't say it out loud, but subconsciously we're like, hey God, I'll take the blessings, but stay out of my bedroom and my bank account. And so God knew this. God knew this was gonna be a hanging point for many of us. God knew that if there was anything that was likely to still the devotion of our heart, more than any other thing, it was likely going to be money. Because money can offer a lot of things. I mean, like, hey, I like money. Money can do a lot of things that God even says that he's uniquely designed to do. We talked about that a little bit last week. And if money is potentially one of the most difficult areas for us, most of us to trust God, it makes complete sense that God would have given us a heads up on that. Do you know that in the Synoptic Gospels, which is Matthew, Mark, and Luke, that one out of every six verses is about money or possessions? And I think I already said it, but the 38 parables that Jesus taught, 16 of those were on the subject of money and possessions. Jesus talked about money more than faith and love combined. Why? Not because he needs our money, but he demands our heart. He demands our heart. He knows the only way for him to be number one in your heart is to make sure that he's number one in your finances. 
because finances is the number one thing competing for that number one position in our heart. And he knows that. And he wants you to know that. That if he's not first when it comes to your finances, then he's not gonna be first when it comes to your heart. This is why Jesus spoke so candidly and clearly on this subject. There's a phrase that you've likely heard Jesus say before, when you, if you, again, if you've grown up in church, it comes out of Matthew chapter six in the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus says, wherever your treasure is, and I want you to think about that word is, not wherever you say your treasure is, not wherever you say that it's going to be one day, not where you say, well, hey, once I get some things figured out, then I'm gonna readjust some things and I'm gonna start to put God first. No, no, he says, wherever your treasure is, right now, is, there the desires of your heart will also be. In other words, the number one indicator of where your heart is, is where you put your money. Your heart will always follow your finances. It's an inescapable truth. And sometimes people may wanna argue, no, 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 where your heart is, that's where your treasure is, and that's 100% not true. Where your money goes, your heart automatically follows, whether you're a Christian or you're not a Christian. This includes everybody. It is an inescapable truth. And I want to unveil some things for us this morning to allow us to go a layer deeper together as a church family. Is that okay? In Matthew chapter 22, you know, you know this, uh, Jesus has asked a very important question. Uh, I actually really appreciate the fact that Jesus gives us some really clear answers to really important questions. And the question was, hey, Jesus, what's the most important commandment? In other words, in all things life, Jesus, what is the most important thing that we need to make sure that we don't miss? And he said, it's to love the Lord your God with all your, let's say it out loud. Love the Lord your God with all, with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. Now, the Greek word for heart here is the word cardia. And the definition of cardia will allow us to go a layer deeper on this subject. You see, cardia is the center and source of life. It's where your devotion and your feelings and your desires lie. It's where your devotions and feelings and desires live. And so Jesus is trying to help us to see, hey, depending on what your cardia is devoted to will ultimately depend on who you're devoted to. And there's no way I could ever be number one in your cardia if I'm not number one in your finances, because the biggest competitor for your cardia are usually finances or money and possessions. Throughout the Sermon on the Mount, uh, we see some things that Jesus says, specifically in Matthew chapter six, where Jesus is trying to get our attention. And I'm gonna come back to this statement over and over today. He doesn't need our money, but the reason, he doesn't want our money even. The reason he needs to keep communicating this is because that's where our cardia wants to go. Our cardia, our desires, 
our feelings, the things that we are motivated towards usually will start to be monetary in nature. And so he's trying to kind of clap and get in front of us. Guys, 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 where, and it begins in Matthew chapter six, I already shared this, where your heart is, sorry, where your treasures are, your heart is going to follow. A couple statements after that, he says, you cannot serve both God and money. The only time Jesus puts two things side by side, never does it again throughout the gospels and says, you're gonna have to choose on this one because your heart's going to be devoted to one and you're going to end up, he's, he says this, hating the other. And then he goes through this list of things that we have a tendency, and we all would agree we do this, where we start to worry about different possessions and things that we know money can provide for us. And so Jesus says, listen, don't worry about what you're gonna eat or what you're gonna drink or what you're gonna wear. Don't even worry about your shelter and different things that money can provide for you. I am supposed to be your provider. So instead of worrying about those things, seek first my kingdom. Seek first my kingdom and my righteousness. And then all these things that we have a tendency to worry about, and I would be there with you. All these things that we worry about when they're, especially these things that are monetary in nature will be given to you as well. Jesus doesn't need our money, but he demands our heart. And the only way he knows he has our heart is if he is first with our finances. So how do we know if we're putting God first? Well, once again, knowing that this could be an obstacle for many of us, God gave us some really clear instructions on the subject. And he asked us to set aside a percentage of our income to be invested in his kingdom. It's a five letter word, often known as a four letter word within the church called a tithe. And ultimately what God says is, when I give you 10 of these, I want you to set aside the first one, the first 10% for me. Every time I give you 10 of these, and look, can we all be reminded this morning that God is the provider of all of this, that he gives us everything that's in our possession today, and he's entrusting that we would put it in the right direction? I have that effect on a lot of babies, I'm sorry. Yeah, I, don't we love seeing all the little babies in this church right now? It's, I love, yeah, you can clap for babies. I love standing out the front door, so many little babies. Um, I was getting ready to say something, I'm glad I didn't. All right, so God gives us everything in our possession and he's entrusting us to put it where it needs to go. We are stewards of his stuff, right? None of us take a U-Haul with us when we close our eyes for the very last time, meaning we don't have it for eternity. We have it for a little bit of time. And while we have it, God says, I want you to steward it. It's my stuff, I'm gonna ask that you steward it. And so one of the number one ways that you can keep your devotion, your cardia from going in the direction of money instead of me is when I give you 10 of these, set aside the first 10%. Not because I need it, but because by doing that, you're showing me number one, that you're obeying what I've asked you to do. And number two, you're showing yourself that you're not putting your trust and your faith and money, but you're putting it in him. Tithing, I don't know what just happened. Somebody on the roof? Yeah, okay. Tithing is all about trusting. Tithing is all about trusting. Because if we can't trust God with our finances, 
I want you to think about this. Think about all the other areas that we may begin to doubt. If we can't trust God with our finances, think about all the other ways we may begin to doubt that God will actually follow through with what he said he was going to do. God knows that the number one thing that is likely to steal your devotion away from him is money. So he says, set aside 10%. Give me back, it's all mine, give me back 10%. And trust me, trust me, trust me. Let me say it this way. What was the number one thing that Jesus talked about throughout the gospels, anybody remember? The kingdom of heaven. What's the number two thing? Money. Watch this. So Jesus says, hey, the number one thing I want you to focus on in life is my kingdom, kingdom of heaven, right? His prayer says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. As followers of Jesus, we're supposed to usher in aspects of heaven onto this earth now. It's incredible. And then he says, and the thing that you're likely to put in front of the kingdom of heaven is money. That's why I'm gonna talk about it so much. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to invest the number two thing I talked about into the number one thing I talked about because if you don't, the number two thing becomes the number one thing. I don't need your money, but I demand your heart. In order for me to know that you're devoted to me first, I demand your heart. Let's do some really quick math together. And I wanna show you something that happens to our cardia as we begin to make more money in life. If you were to make $5,000 a year, right? You just drop the zero, quick math. The tithe of that would be $500. Not that big of a deal over the course of a year. If you make $50,000 a year, drop the zero, the tithe to that would be $5,000. That's significant. If you make $150,000 a year, which many of you do, the tithe of that, of course, is 15,000, and you'll begin to notice something takes place in the human heart. And you begin to look at that number. Whoa, 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 whoa. I'm supposed to give $15,000 away of my hard earned money? <laughs> no. You're supposed to give back 10% of what God has allowed you to have so that you show Him that you trust Him and your devotion is not to money, but to him. And you keep allowing those numbers to grow to 250,000, 25,000, all the way up to 5 million, $500,000. And you'll notice what happens in the heart of many people, not all, but many people, is that as this number grows, so does the grip. Which is why statistically speaking, the more money you make, the harder it is, the people who make more money, the harder it is for them to actually try to tithe. I wanna be transparent for a moment. There was a season in uh, Emily in my life um, where we were making well into a six digit salary together. We were both working full time and we were making you know, pretty good money. And I remember, I, she's sitting over here. I don't even think I ever said this to you because I was probably ashamed. Um, but I remember looking at that number and thinking, holy cow, if we didn't give all of that, like we're making some good money. Do you know what we could do with that? We could go to Disneyland. <laughs> and what happens, you start to see, man, that number grows and you start thinking about all the things you could do with it, right? It's just natural. It's like, whoa, that's a significant amount of money. What if we didn't give all of that? And we never follow through on that. We've been tithing our entire marriage. It's coming up on 20 years. We've been tithing our entire marriage and trusting God, but I would lie if I didn't tell you, there was a moment in my life where I looked at it and it's like, you could, I, pff, yeah, it'd be nice. 
to have a little bit of that. And if you follow that path of thinking, don't, please don't miss this. If you follow that path of thinking, you will end up giving an amount that is comfortable and convenient, but it isn't faith and it isn't trusting God and you just have to acknowledge that. It's tipping God. It's like treating him like a server at a restaurant. Hey, thanks for giving me all that I need. Here's a little something for you on the side to which God, God says, I don't want your money and I definitely don't want your tips, but I demand your heart. And the way that you show me that I've got your heart when it comes to this area of your life is to set aside the first 10% for me. That's why in Malachi chapter three, it says, bring the whole tithe not what you've considered to be comfortable for you and convenient for you. Malachi says, well, it's actually God speaking through Malachi, bring the whole tithe to the storehouse, which at this point in time when this was written was a little section of the temple, which would have been their church at the time where they would have kept supplies. He says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this says the Lord Almighty and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. I will prevent the pests from devouring your crops. Remember very agricultural society at the time. I will prevent pests from devour, devouring your crops and the vines in your fields will not drop their fruit before it is ripe says the Lord Almighty. Trace, I would make a strong argument that one of the main reasons the church is not thriving in America right now is because oftentimes Christians sacrifice their giving instead of making sacrifices so they can give. And so can I just plead with us this morning as a church body, instead of looking for reasons of why we should give less, where it's like, oh man, if we didn't give all of that, we could do a lot with it. We could get that new car we've been wanting. And by all means, I think you should get and enjoy life, but not at the expense of trusting God first. Emily and I have unequivocally experienced this in our marriage that 90%, 90% with God, 90% with God will go further than 100% on your own. Unequivocally. We have experienced this, to which you may say, how in the world does that math work? And I would <clears throat> answer it this way. He can do it however he wants. Sometimes he may provide through financial blessings. Sometimes he may provide through peace. Sometimes he may provide through opportunity. Sometimes he may provide through contentment. And I would tell you that I personally hold back on this topic at times because I don't want to be misunderstood that I'm preaching some prosperity gospel, which I don't believe in at all. But I do believe, please listen to your pastor right now. I do believe and have experienced that the greatest areas of blessing in your life will come on the other end of faithful giving. We've experienced it and I've witnessed it in the lives of others that the greatest area of blessing in your life will come on the other side of financial faithfulness. Last week, I shared with everybody how uh, in preparing for our plus one commitment, uh, Emily and I have decided to give up our 20 year anniversary vacation in April. And so we're taking those funds and putting it towards our plus one commitment. Within about three days of making that decision, uh, I get a notification that there's an organization, a, a ministry organization that we're looking to partner with that invited uh, senior pastors and their wives to come to Hilton Head 
and they'd play, pay for our plane tickets and they would provide uh, three nights at a resort right on the beach. And that is the same week that we gave up for our 20 year anniversary. You clap, that's fine. <laughs> and we have some friends there. Uh, they're actually in here right now. We have some friends there that own uh, a beach house as well and are gonna gift us a few days to stay in that beach, beach house on top of that. By no means did they know that we had made that decision. And I would tell you, we would tell you that we have experienced that kind of blessing and favor from God over and over again throughout our marriage, especially on the other side, specifically on the other side of financial faithfulness and sacrifice. But here's the reality. Right now, somewhere around 35% of all the people who call this place home give. That means 35% of the people who come here are responsible for all the ministry that we get to experience together as a church body. The incredible kids ministry, the great student ministry, the free counseling through our counseling center, the celebrate recovery, the life changing preaching. <laughs> I'll take your charity, I'll take your charity. And out of that 35%, about 15 to 20% of those people actually tithe. Now, what that doesn't mean is that the other 70% of you don't give because we all give to something, right? We understand this, we all give to something. Maybe you give to Apple products or Target or the local coffee shop or Patagonia or Patagucci, the way I often refer to it, or Disney. But can I ask you a question? Why wouldn't you also give to the church that you love? Why wouldn't you also give to the church that you love? Let me be a little bit facetious. When your marriage is falling apart, are you gonna call up Mickey? Right? Because what he's gonna say, just wish upon a star, right? <laughs> when your kid is in a pit, despairing life, wayward, making some really bad choices. You're gonna just go buy them another Apple product. By the way, if that's what you would do, we need to talk about your parenting strategy. No, listen to me, you're going to lean on the church that you love, which is exactly what we want you to do. And maybe one of the best things about this church, if you ask me, when you turn to this church one day for help, no one, and I mean no one, is checking to see if you give anything. We are here to serve you, whether you give or not. But if the other 65% of you would get in and start trusting God, it would be remarkable what we could accomplish together as a church, not to mention the amount of faith and trust that would grow in this family of believers. It is fascinating to me that when Malachi says this in Malachi 3, he says, bring the whole tithe, but there's something specific that I wanna point out. He says, test me. Do you know that in, throughout the entire Bible, there's only one place where God says this? It's right here. No other place throughout the entire Bible does God ever say, test me. 
And so let's go back and kind of practically think through this. God knew this would potentially be a big obstacle for some of us. God knew that if there was ever going to be anything that would likely steal our devotion from our cardia away from him, it would likely be money. And so what does he do for you? I think this is incredible. Don't overlook the significance of this. He says, test me, test me, test me, test me, test me, test me, test me. I know this is gonna be difficult for some of you. I know this is gonna be hard. I see how much money can provide for your life. I know how it has a tendency to come in between me and you. Test me, test me, test me, test me, test me, and see if I don't provide. Particularly in here, he said, and see if I don't throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing you don't even have room enough for it. Remember, blessing doesn't mean financial prosperity. He might bless you in some way financially, but God's blessing looks a lot of different ways. So here's what I want you to do. I hope you trust me enough to ask this of you. Between now and commitment Sunday on March 12th, I want you to figure out whatever you need to figure out so that you can start tithing, starting on March 12th. And we're gonna call this the Trace Tithing Challenge because here's, here's what I'm going to commit to you. If you'll commit to tithing for 90 days and you don't see how God shows up and provides for you, I promise you we will give you your money back after that 90 days. We will. You can hold me to it. But after 90 days, if you don't see how God provides because you tested him, I'm not telling you to test him, he is. Then once you test him, if you, see, if you don't see him provide and take care of you and your needs specifically, I will give you, we will give you your money back. Here's how much I believe in this. Right now, we're gonna take an offering. And instead of us taking an offering from you, you're gonna take an offering for, from us. This morning, we're gonna give away $20,000. Here recently, we got some money from the government because of some COVID stuff. And we, I promise you, we got plenty of areas we could have used it. But as we thought through, it's like, hey, what if we trust God in greater ways with this? What, what if we actually gave this to our church and went through a faith exercise together and just see how God works in the midst of it because we believe that God will. Like some of you are thinking, why in the world would you give $20,000 away when you're asking for big financial commitments on March 12th? Because we believe God will bless it. And what will happen to us as a church as we go through this exercise of faith together is in my mind so much more important than a building that we will one day buy. And so what's gonna happen in just a few moments is we're gonna pass some buckets and in those buckets are a $20 bill, a $50 bill or a $100 bill in those envelopes and just grab one of them and do it quick. Like pass those buckets, it took too much time last service. Uh, grab one, pull it out, keep it moving. And here's what I'm gonna ask that you do. I'm gonna ask that you double it if you can, double it. And in that envelope is also, I think, what's it say? Your story matters on the envelope. And in that envelope is also a um, invitation card. And I want you to keep it with you at all times. And I want you to start praying, God, lead me to somebody that needs to know that you see them. Because I promise you, we cross paths with people every single day that are desperately wanting to know if God sees them. And a little blessing like this can go a lot further than you think. And I want you to watch how your giving, our giving makes a way to God.
And so keep it with you, double it if you can, start praying, God, lead me to the person that needs a tangible blessing in their life. And again, some of you are thinking, Aaron, like, is this wise? Is this something that we really should be doing? And I've said it this way before, I'm not nearly as concerned with the building that we one day move into as I am the kind of people who fill it, amen? Amen. What this has the potential to do in your life and in your faith and what it has the potential to do in someone else's life and in their faith is worth the financial sacrifice on our end. So I'm gonna pray for us and then I'm gonna lead us to, into a response time um, and we're gonna start passing these around. Grab one envelope. Um, and I would tell you if you're 14 years old or older, um, oh, no, let's not do that. Let's say 12, sixth graders. How old are sixth graders? 12-ish? 11, 12, three, just grab an envelope. I'm gonna... <laughs> Let me pray. God, thank you for today. Um, I'm excited for how you're gonna use this exercise of faith. I'm excited that this is going to be something that causes us to be more sensitive to your Holy Spirit. I'm excited that you're gonna use this to show people how our giving can make a way to you, God. And I'm excited for the blessing that some people are going to, the recipients of people who are gonna be on the other side of these envelopes, how much it has the potential to open their eyes and maybe, maybe finally see and conclude that you see them and you know them and you got something better for them. So God, we would ask right now that you would go ahead of us through the power of your Holy Spirit, guide us to the right people at the right time in the right place. And God, let this be something that grows our faith and our trust in you. It's in Christ's name we pray, amen.